it was a Cincinnati Reds doubleheader like so many others, until a hot mic in a commercial caught something no one expected to hear. Capitals of the world. Reds Live, the pregame show presented by... The voice of the Reds and so many NFL games. Tom Brenneman is heard using a homophobic slur that went viral almost immediately. I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess... uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Uh, I, I knew at that exact moment that this was very, very, very bad. Now former Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman sits down exclusively with WLWT. From losing his job to being branded a homophobe, Brenneman peels back everything that's happened since that August afternoon, where he was immediately taken off the air. And hear what he's asking of everyone to do as he tries to move forward, grow, and change our community for the better. Here's WLWT News 5 anchor Mike Dardis. Let's just go back to that night. When was, when, tell me about the point when you actually knew that something might have inadvertently gotten over the air. How did you hear about it? And what was going through your mind as this was all happening you know, that night? Well, it was game one of a doubleheader. It was very late in game one, and they were playing seven inning games in the doubleheader. And so I don't know what inning this happened. Uh, it was in a commercial break. Uh, we weren't on the air, or so I didn't think. And as soon as the game was over, we were broadcasting the game from the Fox Ohio studios. We weren't traveling with a team. And so I went into an office to start writing down the lineups for the second game and got a text from an executive from the Reds saying this went out over the air. And had a clip of it. Uh, I played it sitting by myself in an office. And from that moment in time, I mean, everything was just a complete uh, whirlwind. Uh, I I knew at that exact moment that this was very, very, very bad. Uh, Not only what I had said, um, but the fact that it was already on the internet. We know how that works in this day and age. Started the second game, got about Three innings, I'm trying to do the game. I have my phone in front of me. It's completely blowing up. Um, Chris Welsh has his computer sitting next to me. We get to commercial breaks and he'd be saying, man, you need to really start looking at some of this stuff. This is really bad. And um, so shortly thereafter, I was told by the Reds in Fox, Ohio to get off the air. Uh, I had asked them if I could try and put together some kind of an apology. I did the best I could. I've still never understood to this day how 
you know, people want to question your sincerity or, or ask about it. I called a home run in the middle of an apology. It was just there were so many things going on. Uh, I knew that that um, that my family, I was most worried about my wife and our kids. Uh, I was also concerned about my career. Uh, and I thought everything was um, tumbling down right in front of me. And sure enough, it was. Three decades plus yeah. doing a great job in this business, not just locally, Fox, games, NFL, all kinds of things uh, over the years. Uh, obviously, we all make mistakes, mm -hmm. but in our business, some of them are high profile mm -hmm. because of the nature of what we do. It's, would it, be, it, it would be difficult to not at least feel sorry for ourselves before we move on like you have and picked yourself up off the mat. Was there any of that initially, like three decades and nope. one mistake? Tell, nope. take a, tell me nope. a little bit about that. No, nope. um, not at all. Um, what I said was a terrible word. And I think it's a word that, that I know I've used before, uh, growing up playing sports, growing up with your buddies, uh, ribbing each other here and there in places as you get to be young adults and that kind of thing. Um, but never really truly understood what that word means to so many people and how, whether it's led to um, a young person, and these are the stories that I've heard from people since then. I, I think of the 90 days since I said what I said roughly there. I've probably spent 40 to 45 of them, if not more than that, in some form or fashion, part of my day, uh, either being a part of meetings, whether it's talking to gay men and women, leaders in our community, people in my community, in my area who are gay, and just asking them, what did you think when you heard that word? What do you think when you hear that word? And when you hear the stories about uh, teenagers who are bullied with that word and they've committed suicide because the suicide rate of, of young uh, gay people is through the roof. Um, Dan Davidson, who runs PFLAG here in town, I've been going to their meetings on a regular basis virtually. And, you know, he tells a story of when he's going across the street in a crosswalk in Seattle. And guy in a truck sitting there and told him, yeah, go ahead across the crosswalk. Dan's a gay man. And as soon as he goes across the crosswalk, guy runs over, right on the street, gets out of the truck and calls him that word. And after months in a hospital, couldn't walk for almost two years without a cane, all of his teeth knocked out, guy gets out of the truck and calls him that name. And through all the physical hurt, that word hurt the most. And so I look back now and I just, I'm just, I'm just uh, so deeply ashamed that I would have even used it, that it would have been a part of my vocabulary and it has been a part of my vocabulary in the past. But I can assure you it will never be a part of it again. You learn a lot about friends and yeah. people when something like this happens. And, and you have acknowledged that it was a mistake and you want to do the best you can to turn the mistake into something, many things positive. But at that moment, you need support, you need somebody. Not everybody was there for you, I would assume, when that happened. Can you tell us about those lonely moments, um, um, maybe even longer than moments, after that happened? I haven't had a single lonely moment. 
There are people who ridiculed me for saying in my apology that I'm a man of faith. I am a man of faith. I'm a man of faith who made a mistake just like every other single person in this world, whether you're a man or person of faith or not. Every single one of us makes multiple mistakes. I'm not excusing my mistake. I'm the one who lives, has to live with it. Mike, I'm the one who, when their kids Google their dad's name, I am a homophobe. Somebody told me the other day that the first 257 things that come up, and I haven't done it myself because what's the point? I mean, I've already been told I'm a jerk and a homophobe. I don't need to go read about it. I can learn from it, and I'm trying to do that. But no, no lonely moments, not one. I have an incredible wife. I have incredible kids who have stood up to all of this. They have friends who adore them. My daughter got a text message the, the, the day after I said what I said from a transgender kid in her high school. And before my daughter opened the message, she walked up to my wife and me and she says, oh man, I, I don't even want to open this. This is going to be really, really bad. She opens it up in front of us. And this student, classmate, teammate of hers on a cross-country team says, I'm really upset about what your dad said, but I still love you, meaning my daughter Ella, because you have always treated everybody, me included, with such incredible kindness. And so when I say lonely moments, or you ask me about lonely moments, no. My family, my friends in our neighborhood have just been incredible. And then the outreach from people around the country, um, you know, I, I, Bob Costas. Now, Bob Costas is Bob Costas. I've known Bob Costas since I was eight years old when he was announcing in the ABA with my dad. But I've not stayed in constant contact with him. When I see him, he's always so nice and kind and, you know, uh, outgoing and fun and all those things. But I'm not, a, I'm not a friend of his. He texts me every week. How you doing? What are you doing? Tim McCarver. I used to announce playoff baseball games with Tim. Um, but there's so many others. And, 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 and the gay community, maybe more than any person I could name, I mean, whether it's Ryan Messer or Chris Seelbach or Dan Davidson or Sid Ziegler in Los Angeles or a classmate of mine from Anderson High School who's gay, lives in Los Angeles, Scott C. Omen. The incredible grace, forgiveness, support that those guys have shown, and those are the ones that I hurt the most. It's been, it's been an amazing journey. And, and I have no doubt it's part of a bigger plan, and I have had no doubt since day one, not for a second, I have had no doubt that this is going to end up being the best thing that ever happened to me. There's no doubt about it. So let's talk about that. You mentioned the support you've gotten from all of these folks, mm -hmm. uh, Bob Costas and the, and the people you mentioned. I'm assuming part of that's because they care about you first and foremost. I hope so. But secondly, it is a catalyst for change. When yep. somebody like you 
gets into a situation like this and you say, you know what, I've, I've learned from it, and now they see it as an opportunity as well for other people to learn about yeah. that word. So let's talk about change and mm -hmm. what you decided to do. We'll get to the, uh, the speaking to athletes in a moment, but first, your involvement with the uh, Kids Home of Cincinnati, mm -hmm charity and some of the work you do with the local LGBTQ community and if you could talk about that a little bit. Rick Worth is the head of the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. He is one of the most beautiful human beings that I have ever been honored to meet in my life. Mm -hmm. The Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, which you and your wife got behind their big fundraiser virtual ball last weekend. Huge success, by the way, thanks to the two of you no. uh, and many, many others. But he was a person who reached out and said, look, uh, there's an opportunity here for Tom to learn more and to grow. And then there's an opportunity for him to help others. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So I, I've been going through their training that they put their staff through. It's the most highly credited children's home in a seven state region or so I'm told that deals with gay children or trans children who have been thrown out of their house, Mike. Thrown out of their house. By parents who were not accepting. By and, families yeah. who couldn't come to grips with the fact that their child is struggling with either sexual orientation, gender, identity, whatever it might be. And for those of us who are parents, if that doesn't hit you right between the eyes, I mean, you love your children no matter what, and for these children to be put in these situations, they're adults too, but to have the opportunity that they are giving me at the Children's Home in Northern Kentucky to learn, to grow, to help kids who, who have found themselves in situations sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused, spiritually abused, all the above, things you would never want to happen to anyone, much less a child, has been one of the greatest gifts of my life. And, and, and you know, I'm gonna be a part of their board moving forward. Rick has asked me about doing that. And he and I communicate every day in some form or fashion, and I am just so thankful that, that he's giving me the opportunity. I keep using the words learn and listen and grow. And you can do that if you're a 57-year-old straight white guy. And that can pertain to inclusion, to race. We can all get better. And if we can just open our minds to try to get better, and that's all I'm trying to do, is just to get better. And if I can right or wrong, and you're never gonna make everybody happy. That's the one thing that I have learned in addition to all these other things. There are still going to be an element of people out there on whatever spend of the spectrum they might be on. You know. They're gonna be mad at me because I'm an ally of the gay community. They're gonna be mad at me because what I said, what I said, they're gonna be mad at me forever. God bless all those people. That's okay. I can't make them all happy. But if there's any chance at all that, and it sounds cliche, but it's where we are and where I am. 
if there's any chance that I can make any kind of a difference, whether it's to keep a kid from getting bullied, the kids that use the word to bully them, whether it's the parents to be accepting of a situation that they never saw coming, um, whether it's a bunch of 25-year-olds from wherever that are driving down the street and see a gay man walking down the street and it keeps them from yelling out the same word that I used. If there's one of those people out there, then something good has happened. When you're a celebrity, your tentacles can be far-reaching, and not only in the gay community, but with others as well. And, and that's what I wanted to talk about with these young athletes that you're mm -hmm. going to start speaking with. Tell the audience about your idea, launching this new venture, your uh, debut with Bob Huggins over the weekend, and, and what that's all about. Well, I, I just want to say, first of all, Mike, that, that, that for Bob Huggins to put himself on the line, and I used to announce the University of Cincinnati games when Bob was there many, many years ago, and they had the great teams here at UC, and, and I got to be really close with him. But he goes to West Virginia, I moved to Chicago, moved to Arizona, come back to Cincinnati, he's already gone. Uh, you know, when I picked up the phone to call him to ask him about coming to speak to his team, I hadn't even finished the sentence. And he said, you come here anytime you want to. I'm happy to have you here. And I mean, all of us in life like to say that we have friends that you could call them at three o'clock in the morning if you got arrested in South Dakota or something like that, and they'd be on a plane there the next day to help you. Bob Huggins is one of those people. You can see with the loyalty of his former players. They love him, and yeah. they should. And I knew they loved him when I was there announcing their games. Not just the guys who went to the, to, to the NBA, but I mean the guys like Terrence Gibson who works here in town. That Bob used to just, I mean, he would tear this guy up one side and down the other at practice. And the guy just kept coming back and coming back and grinding it out. And he's one of Bob's all-time favorite players. But for Bob then to turn around and send out on Twitter that I welcome my friend Tom Brenneman with a message to our kids that they needed to hear about mistakes you can make in life, whether it's a word you choose to use, whether it's something you put on social media that will truly change your life, if not ruin your life and turn your whole world upside down. I did some rough math when I did this presentation to the kids at West Virginia. If you took 33 years of broadcasting in Major League Baseball, multiply that by 162 games a year, multiply that by three hours per game, multiply that by 60 minutes per hour, multiply that by 150 words per minute, which is most of the time what an announcer will use. In baseball alone, you come out with a number. Now you go to 27 years announcing in the NFL, multiplied by 17 games a year, multiplied by three hours a game, multiplied by 60 minutes a game and 150 words per minute. In those two sports alone, the number was roughly 188 million words that I have spoken on television in those two sports. One three-letter word, one of those 188 million, completely turned my life and my career upside down. I'm not gonna say if you notice it ruined my life for my career, it didn't, because better days are coming. I know it, I know it. 
They're coming by the grace of God. But it turned my world, it embarrassed my family, it embarrassed my dad, it embarrassed a city and a franchise that I've loved my entire life since I moved here when I was 10 years old. I embarrassed myself and I hurt a lot of people so deeply and so badly. And my message to those young men at West Virginia and will be to anyone who wants me to come and share those words with their high school, their college student athletes, their LGBTQ organization on campus, uh, their corporation, whatever it might be, I will be there to try and share that message because I don't want the same thing to happen to somebody who's 14, 24, 54, or 74 making a stupid, stupid mistake that should have never happened. So this won't necessarily be just athletes. No. You hope to paint with a broader brush here if it works out Look, that way. Look, I'm 57 years old on top of the world, making a million dollars a year, doing commercials, driving fancy cars, sending my kids to this sports camp, sending them to this Christian camp, doing all this stuff. My income starting in January, Mike, goes to zero. I haven't had zero since I was 13 years old, bussing tables at the Heritage Restaurant over in Marymount. That's the last time it was zero. Am I asking anybody to feel sorry for me? Not a chance. Not for three seconds. There are children and people, hell, there's animals in this world you can feel bad for. Tom Brenneman ain't one of them. But that is the reality because of what I said. And forget the money, forget the cars, forget the commercials, forget all that stuff. I hurt people bad really, really bad. And now my journey is to try and right that wrong. Final thing for you. The charity event we did the other night, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something along the lines of, don't let one word, or no, don't let one bad incident be the last word, I think yeah. was what we used in yeah. that chair, to, to talk about you and your involvement. So I don't think there will be a last word because you're going to use this platform to do great things. But with the camera behind me being the Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati audience and beyond with the internet, if we gave you an opportunity here to speak with all these fans, and you've done that through the body of this interview, but if I gave you a minute, minute and a half, or whatever you wanted to just talk to the fans directly about these last uh, several weeks, what would you say? I would just say that Every person you meet in your life, no matter who they are, they make mistakes every single day. Some of them, depending on what context you put it in, are worse than others. But everybody makes them all day, every day. And I'm no different than anybody else. I'm no better, I'm no worse. I would ask, well, first of all, if I were talking to the people of Cincinnati, I, I would say and will say thank you. Even the ones that don't like me very much, because I've learned from them too. But thank you, thank you for your, your support, your kind words of encouragement, the way you've supported my family and not taking this thing out on my wife, Polly, and our kids, Ellen, Luke. Um, but I would, 
I would just ask that maybe open your mind and your heart to try and learn about people that are different than you. All of us hang out with people most of the time who are a lot like ourselves. Going to some of these meetings in the LGBTQ community um, has opened up a world to me that, quite honestly, I never knew existed. I have never been a homophobe. Not one second of my life. And some might say you were that second you said what you said. And you know what? They're right. But I'm not a homophobe. I'm not. I love people. And I don't care if they're white, black, green, straight, gay, trans. I could care less. They're people. And they have feelings. And they celebrate the way we do. We all bleed the same. We hurt the same. And I would just ask that if you can find it as a part of your day or a part of your week or a part of the next month, I would just ask you to try and walk in another person's shoes. I can't walk in a gay man's shoes. I'm straight. I can't walk in a black man or a brown man's shoes. I'm white. I can't walk in a young person's shoes. I'm old. But with age comes a little wisdom. With mistakes comes, you hope, wisdom. And if I can find a way to share that, and it sounds, it just sounds so cliche, but it, it, when you make the kind of mistake I've made, and as public as it is, you have to find a way, by the grace of God, to get, get it down to the most bare minimum simplistic thing you can do. And for me is, is if today I can make the world a better place in some form or fashion, doesn't matter how small or how big it is, if I can do it, then I've accomplished something today. Chris Spielman, my football partner, legendary football player at Ohio State, he sends a Bible verse to me every single day, and it's ironic we're doing this interview today because it is so true. The one he sent me today. For those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And for those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. I need some exalting, and I needed humbling and I have been humble. And I'm sorry for the people that I've hurt very, very much. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening. We've all seen it. That check engine light in our car. Do I check it now? Check it later? Can I keep driving? That one light doesn't tell you what you need to know. And if you get your weather from a symbol on your phone, you're not getting the full story. WLWT Weather has the only certified most accurate forecast in Cincinnati. It's where you get the difference-making details. You'll know exactly what to expect and when, so you can plan your day. WLWT Weather, Cincinnati's certified most accurate forecast. 